You're listening to Sidewalk Confessionals. This is Caleb. And this is Jeremy. And today I think, well, I know, uh, I'm going to write, read. I've been up for a really long time, so if I stutter and trip over my words, I apologize in advance. Um, I'm going to read a story. I wrote this story a really long time ago, um, but I was up all night fixing it um, because it needed a lot of fixing. But this story is mainly dialogue. Um... And this goes with our intro to writing. This is, I guess, the second installment in our writing series um, about writing dialogue. And I will post this file on my website uh, when I post this podcast. That way you guys can go look at it and look at how I actually wrote, uh, wrote out the dialogue. Okay, this story is called Rain Was Coming Down Hard. And I wrote it like four years ago, so please excuse me. Rain was coming down hard and soaking my clothes through completely, the night cold and the glare of the car's headlights blinding and disorienting. I was out of breath, scared for my life, unsure of where exactly I was, and they were still chasing me. I darted right and raced down a short, narrow road lined with houses on each side, then cut through a backyard, jumping a fence and arriving in a cul-de-sac and the Hawkwood apartment complex. I remembered now. Matt lived here. I'd driven him home from work a couple times. We were more than friends, but not much more than that. The extent of our interactions were animated conversations, playful jabs at one another, and awkward stares at work. I'd never actually been inside his apartment, but I knew which side of the building it was on and which door it was from walking him up one night. I had to move quickly. Please be home. Please be home, I thought to myself as I ran to the bottom of his window. Help! I yelled, Matt! A window opened at the top of the building in front of me. Matt looked out, obviously confused. Brandon? He asked. What the hell? Over here! I found him! Yelled some of the men who'd given chase just minutes before. Let me in. I'll explain later. I yelled up to Matt as I started for the stairs that led to his door. As I rounded the landing halfway up the staircase, one of the men caught sight of me and made a beeline for the first flight of stairs. Redoubling my speed, I ascended the second flight two steps at a time and sprinted toward the door, which flew open as I approached the threshold. As I entered, Matt slammed the door shut behind me and locked the deadbolt. I fell to my knees, desperately gasping for breath. I don't think they're going to want to leave without a fight, I said through ragged breaths as I looked up at Matt, who was sliding the magazine into a handgun. What the hell is going on, Brandon? Who are those guys? Matt asked me in only a slightly exaggerated tone. He seemed surprisingly calm given the circumstances. I'll explain later. I got back to my feet. Please don't use that unless you have to, Matt. I urged, pointing to the gun in his hands. Matt's roommate walked into the room then, holding his own pistol with what looked like the trained comfort that comes only from experience and familiarity. He positioned himself on the side of the peninsula counter farthest from the door and squatted so as to have the best possible cover. Matt instructed me to follow him into the kitchen and stay behind him, which I readily obeyed. The men then began banging on the door, and I could see the door frame move with each pounding blow. Following quickly after a brief pause in the battering, the door flew open with such force as to tear half the casing away from the threshold. The first man to enter saw Matt at his flank and threw himself at him. As they fought, a second man ran into the living room and was met by Matt's roommate, who'd drawn his gun and was aiming for the would-be assailant's chest. I will shoot, yelled Matt's roommate. The man started toward him. He fired. The man fell to the ground and, seeing their accomplice, the other men fled. This offered enough of a distraction for Matt to subdue his attacker with a swift right hook. The man was thrown into the wall beside him, which he slowly slid down into an uncomfortable heap, unconscious. Matt then ran into the living room and knelt by the man his roommate had just shot. 
Thomas, get my medic pack, orange bag on the bottom shelf. Thomas, as I now knew him, ran to Matt's room and returned seconds later with what looked like a large orange duffel bag. Gloves, Matt instructed. Get the scissors and a roll of gauze, cut his shirt, pack that wound. Great. Now get another gauze pad and keep pressure on it. As he instructed Thomas, Matt checked the man's pulse and whether or not he was breathing. Okay, put a lot of pressure on. I'm going to have to do CPR. He's not breathing. Brandon. Brandon. I'd slipped into a daze as I watched the men fight to keep the other alive. Brandon, I finally heard. Brandon, call 911. Tell them a man's been shot. Tell them he has a weak pulse and he's not breathing. Tell them you're going to put them on speaker so I can talk to them. Sir, what is the address? Asked the operator over the phone. I'm at 315 Osage Street, apartment C, Matt replied through heavy breaths. Where in that residence are you located? The operator continued. I'm in the living room with two friends. The second assailant is unconscious by the door. Okay, sir. Police and EMS are on the way. Have any firearms in plain sight and away from yourself unless you are actively subduing your assailant. When the police enter, please comply with all their requests. Do you need any further assistance? No. Okay, sir. Remain calm. Help will be there in a few minutes. The operator hung up. Okay, Brandon, I need you to tie the guy's hands. Matt motioned toward the man he'd knocked out. There are some zip ties in the closet. Matt once more motioned with a nod to a closet on the hallway. Quickly, he urged. I ran from the closet to the man by the door and with some effort pulled his arms behind his back and zip tied them together. I also tied his feet so he couldn't run if he woke up before the police arrived. When I walked back over to Matt, he told me to sit with my hands in my lap so the police wouldn't try to subdue me. As I knelt, the world seemed to spin around me. Then dark edges crept around my vision, narrowing my field of view until I could see nothing more than Matt's concerned expression. He silently mouthed something, then everything went dark. I woke with a sharp pain pushing into my side. I reached down to find a bandage taped to me and several pillows keeping me from rolling to my left. I laid on my back and breathed a heavy sigh. On the nightstand to my right, I noticed a piece of yellow paper folded into a house shape with my name on it. The other side of the page read, Hey bud, take it easy. Don't lay on your left side. You got a pretty good cut. I'll be in the living room if you need anything. Just call me. My number's in your phone. Lovely, I said as I put the paper back on the nightstand and reached for my phone. As I did, there came a light knocking from the door. Hey, you up? Can I come in? Matt asked from the outside. Yeah, I'm up. Come in. I replied as I tried to sit up. Matt opened the door quietly and entered the room, then rushed over to help me. Easy, man. You're going to tear your stitches. There. He put a pillow behind me so I could lean back more comfortably. Are you hungry? He asked. A little bit. I'm more thirsty than anything. Okay, I made some breakfast. I'll bring you some of that and a glass of water. Oh, uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, how bad does that cut hurt? Like, a 4. Maybe. I'm okay, Matt. I answered with a smile and a slight chuckle. But thank you. Alright, I'll be right back, he replied as he turned to leave. Don't go anywhere. Wouldn't dream of it. I watched Matt leave, then stared at the doorway as he turned down the hallway and out of sight. I tried to recall something anything from the last several hours, but it was no use. My mind was clouded by pain and exhaustion, and the stress I'd endured the night previous. I could hear Matt rummaging around in the kitchen, cursing lightly as he dropped something. He returned moments later with a small tray containing a plate of scrambled eggs and sliced ham, a small bowl of fruit, a glass of water, a fork, a knife, and a napkin, all arranged as if the very same dishes and cutlery were on a set table. I gave him an inquisitive look, raising one eyebrow. You know, if I'd known you would treat me like this, I'd have gotten stabbed months ago, I said sarcastically. <laughs> if you wanted to be treated like this, all you had to do was ask, Matt replied kindly but matter-of-factly. 
and you weren't stabbed, you were cut. He set the tray down on the bed, its legs keeping it suspended above my own. Then he walked over to a shelf, pulled down a heavy-duty plastic case, pulled a small pill bottle from it, then placed the box back onto the shelf. He walked over and sat down on the bed, opposite the tray from myself, and handed me a small white pill. What is this? I asked as he dropped the pill into my hands. Aspirin. Just something for that cut and those stitches to not hurt so much. Speaking of which, I need to take a look at that. When you're done eating, of course. I feel like I'm in a hospital, albeit a really comfortable hospital. Where did you learn to do this? I asked as I pointed to my side. The stitches, I mean. I was a medic in the army. I was deployed one time. I saw a lot of people die, and I decided it wasn't something I wanted to be a part of. So I left, came back home. So about last night, eat first, Matt interrupted me. Then we can talk about that. Do you need me to bring you anything? I'm okay for now. Thank you, though. You don't have to thank me. I'm sure you would have helped me out if I needed it. I'm not sure I'd be able to beat a guy up like that or give you stitches, and my roommates definitely wouldn't have shot someone to protect you. How is that guy, by the way? He's alive. He's in the hospital still, obviously. Unfortunately, he's not well enough to answer any questions, and the guy you tied up probably isn't talking. But like I said, we'll talk about that later. Matt got up to leave, but before he turned away from me, he asked me once more if I needed anything. Can you stay here? I asked, not making eye contact. I don't want to be alone. Matt sat back down on the bed, but this time he pushed himself back against the wall perpendicular to the one I was leaning on, grabbing one of the pillows I wasn't using. As I ate the food he brought me, we talked similarly to how we would at work, except this was different. This was more natural and relaxed. This man, whom I barely knew, and whose bed I was resting in, felt familiar to me in a way nobody ever had. Hey wait, you undressed me last night? Well, how else do you think you got in those clothes? Plus, I needed your shirt off to stitch you up anyway. And your clothes were soaked, so I gave you some of mine. Did you see anything? I asked shyly. No, I only changed your shirt and pants and removed your socks and shoes. Would it have been a problem if I had seen something? Uh, I smiled nervously. While you think of an answer, lay on your right side so I can redress your wound. This might hurt a little. He peeled back the tape which held the gauze pad over the wound. The gauze stuck to a bit of dried blood, which he tried to pull off gently. Just pull it, I said. I told you it didn't hurt that much. He did as I said, and I winced as the pad removed a small scab that had formed near one of the sutures. As he cleaned the wound and redressed it, I began thinking, would I have really had a problem if he had seen me naked? He didn't remove my clothes to be some sort of creep. He did it because my clothes were wet, and, I'd imagine, bloody. Plus, I was comfortable being around him anyway. But still, he wasn't my boyfriend. We were just friends. More than just friends? Such matters are often complicated, and nearly anything could be considered inappropriate under the right or wrong circumstances. There, he said, interrupting my train of thought. That should be okay until tomorrow. The stitches look like they're holding well enough for you to move around gently. Here, I'll help you up. He put his arm behind my back and wrapped it under my opposite arm. As I stood, so did he, and with his help, I walked to the bathroom door. I think I can handle this on my own, I said with a smirk. Later that night, after we'd eaten dinner and I was back in Matt's bed, we sat like we had that morning, talking and prodding at one another until we could no longer evade the embrace of sleep. Matt stood up and turned to go, and, just as before, hesitated to leave the room. He walked back to the bed and knelt down beside me, not speaking, and with an almost nervous expression on his face. Are you okay, Matt? I asked as I turned to face him. Yeah. I just... He whispered. As his voice trailed off, he leaned forward and kissed me on the cheek. 
Before he could pull away, I put my hand on the side of his face and kissed him once more. Good night, Matt, I whispered. Good night, Brandon, he replied as he stood to leave. He walked to the door, turned off the light, and walked into the hallway, quietly closing the door behind him. Yeah, I wrote that I wrote that a long time ago. Twist. But why were they being chased? Is it because those angry homophobes knew that they were gay and wanted to murder them? Maybe a part two. Actually, to be honest with you, I'm not even going to lie. Um, I completely forgot to re-add the reason that he was being chased in the first place to the mm-hmm. story when I rewrote it. Um, mostly because I was tired and I just wanted it to end. But I'll clear that up in another installment because I think that I could... Yeah, Probably I like, make I like, I like the little mystery here. Let's keep our yeah. our viewers or our listeners. Our listeners. Our listeners. Uh, we don't do video podcast. Uh, video might be coming in season two, though. Yeah. So tell me, what inspired you to write that story? Okay, so... <laughs> yeah. Um, so when I lived in Wilmington, um, I had two co-workers named Brandon and Matt, who were like hella hot. <laughs> um, but actually, no, I was, I started writing a, um, I started writing kind of a sheet uh, for the character Matt before I even started working at that store and met Matt. And somehow he actually kind of lined up with the character sheet that I was writing. Spooky. Yeah, it was really, it was really fucking weird. Uh, shortly thereafter, I found my, I met my gypsy woman. But, um, Oh, that's a story for another oh, day, folks. Another oh, time. gypsy women. Oh, Lord. We could dedicate an entire podcast we to that. We could. We could get all our friends on here and tell their gypsy women, yo, let's do that. Yes. That's a great one. Oh, my God, yes. Okay. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I met Matt the person after I started writing the character sheet, um, which was just called Unnamed Character at the time, and he just fit so well that um, that I wrote that I just changed the character's name to Matt. Brandon, however, was inspired entirely by one of my coworkers, um, who's just really fucking hot. <laughs> Will these characters be in other stories or pieces of writing that you're gonna do? Yes. Uh, like I said last week, I really, like once I make a character sheet, I don't like, like destroying my characters or killing my characters. Um, Thomas, is probably not going to be in another story just because he played such a little part uh, in this. Uh, he might because he has. He and Matt both have like a military background and that sort of you thing. You should bring him back just to kill him off. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he'll be the one character that I kill. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't like getting rid of characters. Um, so yeah, these guys. I don't know if I'll put these guys in the book. They might make like a small cameo, but I think these guys are just kind of short story characters. Uh, just cause, yeah, they have simple character sheets and they're kind of simple characters. They're not like, I mean, I have pages and pages and pages writ written on Jake. Mm. So well, yeah, that Jake is such an old character. Okay. Um, describe your methodology for writing dot. Oh, Bob, that I can't speak either. <laughs> describe your methodology for writing dialogue. Um, just keep it natural. I mean, I try. And I have to I have to compliment you there too because the flow of conversation really was quite natural. Yeah, I mean I thought about, albeit without the ums and the oohs. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, you can't put that stuff into a piece of writing because the reader will just be there all day reading uh mm, uh uh uh. Yeah, you can't uh, you can't put that stuff into your writing, and I don't either. But you know, when I'm when I'm writing dialogue, it's it's weird to write and read dialogue because obviously dialogue is spoken. Um, so when you read it, it just like it sounds different and it doesn't have 
the meter or the cadence or anything that, or the inflection that it would if a person actually said it to you. So as the reader, you don't really know how it's supposed to sound. Um, so you kind of have to put a little bit of that into the way you write it. But at the same time, I like to keep it natural so that the character can just, or so that the reader can just read through it really fast as if they were reading a transcribed conversation. Um, but yeah, like I said, this story will be on, um, but I'll probably just put the text. I'll probably just format the text to be put on the website, like in the little blog post for this podcast. Oh, okay. Um, and yeah, and you can see the way that I wrote my dialogue. Um, hopefully this is a good example. I think that this little story had a lot of dialogue in it. Oh yeah. Well, it was dialogue driven. Yeah. So I think, um, I think that'll be a, a good one for dialogue. Maybe we'll just go straight through with, with this, uh, writing series. Mm-hmm. I kind of like it. I feel like that we could keep the ball rolling on that. Yeah. I think probably the next few episodes... As long episodes, as you keep supplying more material. Well, I mean... Don't ask me to do it. <laughs> we need to get Caleb to write something, guys. I'm serious. Caleb has not written anything. And Oh, speaking of which, small tangent. Caleb and I one time... Caleb and I were out for a really late night walk. Mm-hmm. And long story short, we ended up back at uh, a friend's house that Caleb used to stay at. And anyway, we started doing, uh, we started writing because Caleb had gotten a typewriter. So we wanted to play around with that. And we started doing uh, like stream of consciousness writing because I was trying to get Caleb to just write something, just a few sentences because he had just not written anything in such a long time. And he wrote his stream of consciousness, literally transcribed his stream of consciousness onto a piece of paper. And I was thinking about it the oh, other God. day. And it no, was, not that. It was so <laughs> funny. It was so bad. Oh, no one so wants to see my consciousness. <laughs> <laughs> it was so bad. It didn't make any sense. It was just, it was word salad. It was worse than reading like... Thanks for revealing to all of our listeners that I'm psychotic. Well, I mean, they already knew. Yeah, that's true. You did make a joke. We cut that joke. Of course, it, we didn't cut the joke. We just bleeped, <laughs> which means that this podcast will now have two bleeps in it. You have anything, anything to add as far as dialogue goes? Writing dialogue? I mean, not particularly. I thought that you just did a really good job, and I'd have to take time to sit down and formulate a response before I had anything serious to add to this. But I said dialogue-driven story, and I felt that that was that really is what was important about this one, is that you got to know the characters through instead of any sort of description of the characters, they were almost they, they, they were revealed through their interactions with each other. Purely by the way that they spoke with each other. Yeah. And well, I did, I did feel the tension. Did you? Okay, good. I did feel the tension. Good. So it it, it didn't come. It, I didn't. It didn't come as a twist to me when they finally kissed because I was like, yeah, this is. This that is might be because we're we're in the know, though. Yeah, it might be. If <laughs> if I if I didn't know who you were, or what the story was about, or I wasn't me, then maybe. But you could you could feel the tension. It yeah. was good. They had chemistry. Anyway, that's all. Yay. You've been listening to Sidewalk Confessionals. Happy listening and have a nice day.